Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board, presented by BetMGM. It is Friday, May 3rd, and on this episode of Best on the Board, we are discussing Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Game 1, man, what a roller coaster that was. First quarter, Steph Curry sitting everything in sight, six threes. Seems like the Warriors have things in hand, and then really seems like the Warriors have things in hand, but the way they play in the third quarter, but then, boom, we go in the complete opposite direction. Celtics with maybe their best single-quarter performance of any quarter in this postseason to come all the way back and end up winning the game in really sort of blowout fashion. If you just look at the final score, the Celtics take a 1-0 series lead in the NBA Finals. We take a look ahead to Game 2 here on Best on the Board. Michael Beller and Jason Jones with you on this episode. And Jason, I mean, I was basically ready to, yeah, I was going to stick with it, of course, but I was pretty much ready to divert my attention for the last, whatever, 45 minutes I was awake uh, while the while Game 1 was playing out until the Celtics just totally flipped the switch in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and they did what you have to do when you're down like that. You've got to make that quick punch, I think, to start the quarter early, mm-hmm. and they did that. And I'm a Cal guy, so even though I'm from <laughs> L.A. and I'm born and raised to never wish anything good on the Celtics, mm-hmm. I do like Jalen Brown, and Jalen just started attacking. Yeah, And once he got going, it just seemed like they – you know, they never reco- the Warriors just never recovered from that punch. You know, it's like, you know, in boxing, you get staggered. And even though you're still on your feet, everyone knows that you're about to go down eventually. Mm-hmm. And he jumped out, punched them, and they never came back. Yeah, that really was the uh, the turning point of the game was those first few minutes of the fourth quarter. And he looked excellent in doing so and in getting the Celtics, you know, back into making it competitive and then ultimately getting over the hump. It was Al Horford who led the Celtics in scoring with 26, but then Jalen Brown right behind him with 24. And hey, I mean, Jason Tatum goes three for 17. You pretty much assume the Celtics are going to lose that game, but excellent performance uh, from Al Horford, from Marcus Smart, Derek White scoring 21 points. I mean, they really got the other guys to pitch in. And so to get that, not only in game one, but in a game on the road where Steph seemed unstoppable early on, I mean, that is a huge, huge game because you know Jason Tatum is going to show up in this series. It's not like Jason Tatum is going to go three for 17 night after night after night in this series. So to get a win in a game where Jason Tatum was a negative in the scoring department, a negative on offense for you, that has to feel very good for these Boston Celtics. Did distribute the ball very well with his 13 assists, but you're going to need more than that from Tatum in the scoring department. Those other guys stepped up in a big, big way. And so a huge game one victory for the Celtics. Game two, not taking place until Sunday. That's just how we space things out when we get to the NBA Finals. So we've got a few days to look back on game one. The lines for game two are as follows. We've got the Warriors minus four and a half and 215 and a half the total. So basically the same as where we were in game one. Game one started out as Warriors minus three and a half and 215 and a half. It ultimately went up to Warriors minus four by the time it tipped off. So we're basically running things back here in game two, Jason. And I just wonder when I think about when we have all this time to to get ready for Sunday and think about game two, I wonder how anomalous was that fourth quarter performance from the Celtics, the three for 17 from Jason Tatum, how much of that can be repeated. It's, it's hard for me to draw too many conclusions from game one and say, yeah, that can be applied in game two. Yeah. But I think we've seen more than once in the postseason where Boston can get hot from three. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's almost that's that can happen again. Maybe not 
in that kind of <laughs> compressed time, you know, you're not going to maybe get was it, it was like what seven of nine to start the fourth or something like that yeah. from three. Uh-huh. You're not going to get that probably, but I think the idea of Boston making 18 23s isn't crazy again. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 biggest I think if you just look at the numbers, uh, Tatum getting 13 assists probably doesn't happen again, nor does he shoot three of 17 again. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, there were just some things they were, you know, kind of out, I thought were outliers. I don't think Steph is going to get 21 every first quarter, but I also don't, think, you know, I also don't think that he'll be that quiet in a fourth quarter every game either. So, you know, it's, it's game one teams mm-hmm. are kind of filling each other out, but that was a big, that was a big, like I said, a big win for Boston. I mean, they kind of showed everything as to why they're in the finals defensively. They essentially turned the Warriors into a one-on-one team, which is, and they don't have one-on-one players. If mm-hmm. they're not moving the ball around and getting everybody involved, they're, that falls right in the Boston's hand. Yep. So, and I also think you saw Boston's advantage in the front court and that, yeah, we know Draymond Green is great, especially defensively, but you can't get, you got to get more than what, you know, one of 10 from him. And you got to, you got to get more if Horford's going to go for 24, 26. And then, you know, Jalen Brown's going to, you know, Tatum's going to, you know, have an impact and Robert Williams will probably have an impact at some point. They just need more from that front court outside of Wiggins offense. Yeah, right. I mean, the Warriors, the Warriors spread you out in a way that like a, a really good modern NFL offense spreads you out, where they make you think about the whole field from side to side and not just getting beat deep or anything like that. And the war that's what the Warriors do to you. The Warriors aren't just going up and down the floor, but they stretch you so thin and they make you think about so many different shooters. And then they're able to attack the gaps that are created by spreading the floor and stretching a defense so thin. And uh, at least in the second half, or in, certainly in the fourth quarter, the Celtics found a way to really uh, not let that happen to them. They 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 compressed the floor. They made the Warriors uh, that one-on-one team that you talked about, and that's just not the way that this team is going to want to play offensively. And, and again, like, it's just it, – it's another one of those things that, you know, the Celtics you – know, these are the two best defensive teams in the NBA coming into the into the finals, right? I mean, they were two – they were the, maybe the two best. I can't remember off the top of my head if they were the literal two best statistically going into the playoffs. But they were – if they weren't one-two, they were like one-three. They were right there, and I think they were yeah. one-two. And then certainly uh, when you add the playoff performance into it, you know, they were one-two by a pretty decent margin. And so we knew that these teams were going to be able to make life hard on the opposing offenses, certainly for stretches. But still, like, can Boston do that again? They certainly deserve plenty of credit for doing that in game one. Is it something that's repeatable for them? Is this something where, you know, Steve Kerr and the coaching staff can go back into the lab over these next two days and figure out a way to adjust to what Boston did to them? I would lean toward yes. I sort of take what we saw in game one and say Celtics did what they have to do, but I'm not sure how much of any of it is repeatable on either side. And so that's why I find myself leaning in the direction of the Warriors for game two. I just think what you thought going into game one, you should probably hold true for game two. Yeah, and I just think each quarter was kind of a microcosm of what we'll see. The way these Mm -hmm. two teams defend and shoot the three, there's going to be a lot of big swings like that. I mean, there's not going to be a game, I think, where either team is truly out of it. You know, we know the Warriors. I mean, I I think a lot of people forget just how – prolific of a shooting team Boston can be in addition to its defense as well. And I do believe with, I mean, Al Horford, I mean, this is, just, <laughs> this is the Al Horford play, playoff run to come. 
in a way, it almost reminds me of 2008 when Leon Poe just kind of went on that tear <laughs> in the postseason. Except this is a guy who's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame in Horford oh, doing it. I mean, he's he you know it's to me he's almost like the the, the big key in this series yeah. because he's a you know he, he starts at the four. Obviously, he can play the five for them. He can stretch you out defensively. I mean, he hit some he hit some big threes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think everything we saw in this game, I mean, I won't be shocked to see if Steph makes six threes in a quarter again. I think uh, for the Warriors, we're going to, you got to wait to see if, if Clay can get hot. To me, he, in a lot of ways, Clay is their big, their wild card because we've seen in Clay's postseason history, he'll have two, three, four games where he's relatively quiet and then he'll explode at a big game mm-hmm. like you know like he did like he did last series you know or they call it game 6 clay mm-hmm. i think they need game 6 clay to be game 2 3 4 5 and 6 clay yeah <laughs> if they're going to if they are to win another championship because the the difference you have between those last two championship teams right now is that they don't have a dynamic scotch uh you know, shot creator like right. a Ke- Kevin Durant. They don't have that guy. Right. You know, so if Steph is not, you know, going, they don't have that that other guy that says, you know what, I'll go get a shot on my own. And, and so let, they really play to be well. Let's remember, too, and we've talked about this a couple of times on this show leading into the finals, is that, you know, those as great as those teams were top to bottom, it was KD who won the finals MVP both of those years. Right, KD was yeah. KD was the go-to guy, which you know he's he's freaking KD, so it makes a lot of sense. But it's a point that's well taken, and that this team, that this Golden State team, as great as it still is, as lethal as it still is, they've done a really nice job of filling in some of those blanks and with Andrew Wiggins, with Jordan Poole. Uh, but this does they do not have the one-on-one player, the shot creator, that just go-to shot creator that they did the last time that we saw them in the finals, and so that might be something that's a little bit more of a challenge for them than we assumed even as recently as 48 hours ago when we were waiting for this series to get started uh, so this should be this should be a fun game too uh, I think this is going to be uh, you know a really good game again I find myself leaning in the direction of the Warriors at least to win but very impressed with what we saw obviously from the Celtics in that in that fourth quarter um, this was a game that I think a lot of us were ready to write off the Celtics uh, more than once and they end up coming back and winning the game by 12 points and really, I mean, putting the game out of reach with a few minutes left to go, winning that game going away. And so for me right now, four and a half, that's a little bit too much here. The total sitting at 215 and a half, a little surprised to not see that maybe bump up a point or a point and a half uh, after what we saw from Boston's offense and the supporting parts around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in game one. But uh, it's it's one that for at least right now for me, I'm staying away from and uh, wanting to feel out, wanting to get uh, our eyes on some props before I make any plays here, Jason. How about you? No, I agree. I, you know, that two fifteen seems kind of, you know, you know, we even with two good defensive teams, that still feels kind of low, just because both of these teams are capable mm-hmm. <laughs> of at any moment, you know, exploding. So, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd hold back on that and just kind of, you know. You know, kind of see how things, you know, as you know, tip off gets closer. But yeah, I just think it's a. This isn't like the Milwaukee series where you figured each game they were going to be one hundred to nine, or even the you know, uh, Boston and Miami. Yeah. You know, it's because I think both of these teams can be dynamic offensively. Yep. You know, so I just think it's to, to yeah. I mean, look, look at the way Boston started the game. They ended up at one twenty. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 
I mean, that's you. And the scoring comes in bunches when you when you have two teams that can shoot the three that these teams the way that these teams can, and two teams that are the the Celtics took forty one threes, the Warriors took forty five threes, and you know that's you know that's part and parcel of the way the NBA is played these days, but. I just I think these the, we're going to get eighty three point attempts in every game of this finals eighty three point attempts combined and with the way these teams shoot it like I mean you know Boston's not going twenty one for forty one every game at nineteen for forty five is not going to be the worst three point shooting performance between the two teams in every game but with the way they can shoot it and the fact that we're going to get all those attempts the scoring's going to come in bunches even as good as these defenses are. Yeah, and you know, you look at the way Boston closed those, you know, the first, second, and third quarters. To me, that's you know, just when you think they're about to get blown out, they keep it manageable. Then they're actually, you know, they are or take the lead at halftime. They 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 have the ability just to go boom, boom, boom mm-hmm. there. And then if Jalen Brown, you know, Jalen Brown can get hot. You got a lot of guys in this series that can get hot at any moment on both teams. I mean. Jordan Poole's can be up and down, but if Jordan Poole is clicking, you know, it's he becomes the third splash brother. If mm-hmm. Clay gets rolling, it's one thing, you know, but you know, you got guys like Derek White who gets out of, you know, gets to Boston and becomes now he's been like a dynamic six man at times for them. We've seen Horford get hot. And like I said, Tatum is not going to go three of 17 yep. every night. So I just, I just think that you're going to see so many swings just because you got so many guys who can get rolling and because of the way these two teams play defense you are going to see times in the game where a team is down 10 15 and then all of a sudden that lead is gone because of the three ball it's going to be a great series it's going to be a great game too on sunday and i gotta say jason it warms my 37 year old heart to see al horford a guy who was in college same time i was in college just absolutely dominating game one and uh just a whole lot of fun uh to see to see that and uh and to see uh what's going to be coming us to us over the weekend when game two tips off on sunday that will do it for this episode of best on the board thanks so much for joining us for jason i am michael beller good luck happy betting have a great weekend we'll talk to you soon